This is episode 155 of IDRA Class Notes. You know, the state doesn't voluntarily improve the opportunities of students in Texas often. What it takes is court action. And if the court does not act favorably on behalf of the students and parents and school districts who have sued the state for failing in its constitutional duties, then we're going to basically be left with the status quo. And the status quo is not good for Texas school children. Welcome to this special edition of IDRA Class Notes Podcasts. I'm Lori Posner, and I'm speaking this morning with David Inohosa, National Policy Director at IDRA. Welcome, David. Good morning, Lori. We're going to be speaking about the upcoming school finance trial in Texas. You know, prior to joining IDRA, David was Southwest Regional Counsel for the Mexican-American Legal Defense and Educational Fund, MALDEF, and he was also formal lead counsel for the Edgewood ISD plaintiffs in this case that we'll be discussing this morning. On the 1st of September this coming week, the first oral arguments we heard in Texas Taxpayer and Student Fairness Coalition versus Michael Williams. This is an appeal by the state of Texas of Judge John Dietz's 2014 ruling in which he found that Texas school finance system is inequitable, unsuitable, and inadequate in violation of Texas Constitution. So, David, what brought about this case in the first place? Well, there are a few events that led to this unfortunate perfect storm that we had in 2011. One was that the state increased the standards and expectations for students across Texas in 2009, expecting all students to graduate college and career ready, which of course was a good thing. Uh, But the second thing they did was in 2011, they cut $5.4 billion from public schools and Included within that was $1.4 billion targeted towards uh, special needs students, including English learners and uh, economically disadvantaged students. So there were severe cuts to full-day pre-kinder uh, programs. It forced uh, schools to raise class sizes. There were a number of significant impacts that worked against these students who were already struggling. Then it was compounded by the state's failure to even study the additional costs that were going to need to be required in order to help these students achieve the new standards. And on top of that, the 2006 changes that were made in response to the last school finance lawsuit Many of them were supposed to be temporary fixes that provided more equitable solutions, but those temporary fixes were never completely fixed, and it ended up increasing the inequities between property-poor and property-rich districts, where property-wealthy districts were able to tax uh, much lower but generate substantially more funds for their students as opposed to poor districts. So you've described the importance in terms of the the funding cuts, but you also said that the state had applied temporary fixes. You know, some observers and and even witnesses in the earlier case have said, you know, come on, not enough money. I've heard that Texas school funding has never been higher. So what is the problem that you see with the state's current investment in public education? Well, there's a couple of things. One is that the state has never taken into account inflationary cost. So they pretend as though we have no rate of inflation over the years in Texas. And they say, well, 
you know, school funding's increased. Secondly, we have increased school funding overall, but it's also because of our student population that continues to increase significantly here in Texas. And thirdly, and most importantly, is that those demographics of those students have changed dramatically too. Today we have three out of five students who is low income. We have one out of six that is an English language learner. And when you have the fact that the state's never studied the additional costs that are needed to help meet these students' needs, who can definitely, you know, succeed if given the right opportunities, but they've never done that. They're still relying on studies that are over 30 years old, and that was under the old system. And even when they had set those additional costs, they cut them in half of what was proposed back then in 1984. Hmm. So what is the state argument in this appeal? Well, their best argument is that the court should just stay out of the business and give the legislature complete discretion to ignore the needs of Texas students. They also, they want the court to ignore the performance of English language learners and economically disadvantaged students as though these students don't have rights under the Texas Constitution. And they also want the Supreme Court to ignore funding and inputs into an education and pretend as though it doesn't matter how much resources and whether or not uh, schools are able to uh, recruit and retain high-quality teachers for the students in the classrooms. So what kind of guarantee does the Texas Constitution make about providing for a quality education of students? It's definitely not a perfect education that is required. It's not an absolute excellent education that is required. It says a general diffusion of knowledge shall be provided to all students, and the Texas Supreme Court has linked that to the state standards. And what they basically said was that all school districts should be able to reasonably provide meaningful opportunities to all students to achieve their full potential and to achieve the state standards that have been put in place. And that's where we have the big missive in the system is that they set standards during one session and then they set funding in another but never linking uh, the two. And that's why we have this large disconnect. One other question I wanted to ask you is why is this case, why is it of importance specifically for families in the state of Texas And secondly, is it just in the hands of the court now, or is there something that family members and community members can do now while the trial's underway? Sure, and it's extremely important because, you know, the state doesn't voluntarily improve the opportunities of students in Texas oftentimes. You know, what it takes is court action. And if the court does not act favorably on behalf of the students and parents and school districts who have sued the state uh, for failing in its constitutional duties, then we're going to basically be left with the status quo, and the status quo is not good for Texas school children. What people can do and what people need to understand is that regardless of what the court does here, if the court finds that the system is unconstitutional, it's still going to punt it back to the legislature because the court's not going to say how the system needs to be fixed. That's up to the legislature's duty. And so if the court comes back with its ruling, it's equally important and critical that families and students and educators and all interested parties stay tuned and become active in the legislative process so that they don't arbitrarily act and ignore the needs of Texas students. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? 
No, I think it's just a, a critical juncture, and we're very hopeful that the Texas Supreme Court will correctly apply the facts and the law as the lower court did and affirm the injunction and declaratory judgment. Thank you, David. I've been speaking with David Hinojosa. This has been a special edition of IDRA Class Notes. We hope that you'll subscribe to our podcast, share your comments. Uh, We welcome the chance to hear from you as listeners. Thank you for listening this morning. Thank you for listening to IDRA Class Notes. For more information on IDRA and other Class Notes topics, go to www.idra.org. You can also send us your thoughts by email to podcast at idra.org.